On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time Imon Irti Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetoch, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestian Echo. Vientalem again Omgrev, Orkorn Rachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Board Gosh Energy, putting customers at the core of under 20 and senior hurling championship action. Hashtag hurling to the core. Hello and welcome to the Throw-In Independent.ie's GAA podcast in association with Board Gosh Energy. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be back ahead of another summer of football and joined in studio by my co-host Michael Verney. Michael, hello. I feel like we should have some sort of like, we're back kind of music playing in the background <laughs> or something like that. We might as well have slept here for the last few weeks, <laughs> so we didn't get much time off. <laughs> well, yes, right. I said just a summer of football. Obviously, we're looking forward to the hurling as well, but this is a football preview show with the football championship kicking off this weekend. Hurling, our hurling preview show will be back next week ahead of uh, the first weekend of the Provincial Round Robins, but it's a football show today, Michael. We're going to be joined by Colm Keyes and Colm, Conor McKeown in a few minutes' time, but are you excited for the championship? Uh, yeah, yeah, in fairness, because I, I was just kind of previewing Connacht there, Con- the Connacht Championship f- for the magazine, and kind of the way you are now, you're like, you're programmed to look ahead to what, what should come down the line, and you just, you're looking at the possibility, I suppose, of the like, the, the predictability, I'd say, of Mayo and Galway in a final, which would be, that's something to look forward to, even though the games the last couple of years haven't been exactly barn burners or anything like that. But that's that that'd be an interesting game. Connacht or Connacht is interesting where as Ulster is as well, whereas Leinster and Munster are should be, you know, you should be able to predict the results easily enough. But yeah, no. And then after that, there's a, there's five or six teams below Dublin and you're just expecting one of them just to stand up on a given day and if they could, who knows, the the five in a row dreams could go up in smoke. Yeah, like the Leinster Championship would be like the best provisional championship if Dublin weren't in it. You yeah, know? yeah, it's yeah. that it's kind of thing. It's like a, it's like a horse race where there's a one to four favorite, and you're the betting without the favorite is a really interesting race. <laughs> like, yeah, but they, there's this there's this big uh, big power that you can, you couldn't realistically see anyone stopping. I know Meade are on the opposite side of the draw in Leinster, but like uh, with the best one in the world, you couldn't see them beating Dublin in a final if they were to get there. And they've a few uh, they've a few tasty enough matchups before they were to get to, if they were to get to a Leinster final as well. Well, with with Leash and Westmead maybe along the way, so yeah, well, yeah, it's it's 
everything as we were saying just off air the undergrowth underneath <laughs> the kind of the main the main part is very very interesting yeah and ahead of the championship are you feeling refreshed and energised after your April you know club only month for April do you get did the GA journalists get to take a step back as well yeah I was actually over at the, at the snooker in Sheffield there last week um, I was there for three days it's um, yeah it's a brilliant, brilliant experience yeah. you didn't fall asleep you I did yeah I did uh, oh I, Jesus it, I, usually Every time I was over there up until this year, I nodded off for a couple of minutes during every session. But it took me, I was there for five sessions this, this year, it took me until the fourth session to fall asleep. Um, it's the most relaxing place on earth. Yeah. It's just well, yeah, just for the disclosure, Michael wasn't drinking or anything. He, was, <laughs> he just literally fell asleep. I don't know. That noise, you know, the when the ball goes into the pocket, it's the most relaxing noise of all time. It would put any man to sleep. Plus, it's quite, it's quite, there's only 900 people in there. It's quite, um, quite compact as well. But uh, yeah, I'd highly recommend it. Anyone that's interested in snooker, it's a very expensive if you can stay or away suffering from you know insomnia either they you know relax you know you know in. for maybe um you know maybe parents that have young kids or anything like that have to get away for a couple of days it's like going to the cinema it's a very relaxing experience but just actually i was only asleep, asleep for like 5 minutes now to be fair i didn't sleep for an hour it's um it's a great it's a great experience the sleeping say. or the snooker or both uh, no, to be fair, no, no, it was, uh, it's, it's something I'd highly, highly recommend to anybody, yeah. Well, there's been a lot happening in, in the world since we, we, since we kind of took our break after the league final ahead of the championship, and I, you know, people really enjoy getting a glimpse into your, you know, your, your movie reviews, your TV reviews, so I wanted to ask you about two kind of cultural phenomenons over the last month that have come back, Game of Thrones, where do you stand in Game of Thrones, I've are you a fan? Never, I've never watched Game of Thrones, that goes along with, the, I've never watched Star Wars, uh, Game of Thrones, uh, what's that? There's another thing, something like uh, Star, Star Wars, Star Trek, Star Wars. <laughs> the Next Generation was the only thing I used to watch on Sky One. No, I just don't like any of that sci-fi stuff. No interest. Not in a it. Game of Thrones fan. No, uh, Harry Potter as well. I haven't watched any of that. Lord either. of the Rings. Lord, that was that was. <laughs> no, I've never watched Lord of the Rings. No, no. Do, do, why you don't? Know, um, I just no, I just wouldn't have any interest. Plus, like if it's that good, it'll all still be there in twenty years, and I can watch it then. Like I just recently started watching The Sopranos, and I'm realizing <laughs> literally like, twenty I'm, years. I'm realizing like what I missed out on, like. 15 or 20 years ago like yeah but I'm kind of still kind of stuck in the Only Fools and Horses warp like you just you literally cannot go wrong with like Only Fools and Horses <laughs> Porridge Faulty Towers Open All Hours like, What age you? Uh, I'm only early 30s Okay but, yeah, yeah. just checking I have the intellect, I would say, of uh, like a teenager, and then kind of, but I have the interest, I would say, of maybe like a fifty-year-old or something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just some mix. Put that in your online dating profile. You know, I think you'd be, you'd be swiping. Who says I have an online dating oh, profile? Sorry, sorry, yeah, a source, a well-placed source. <laughs> yeah, your source is probably fairly correct. To be fair. <laughs> and the other cultural phenomenon, I, I know you haven't seen judging by that, and the new Avengers film. You know, the the big, the biggest blockbuster release in the last twenty years. I couldn't years. have less interest. <laughs> the only thing I heard about is that it's over three hours it's three hours and two minutes long like couldn't they not like dumb it down to like an hour and 40 just for surely <laughs> people are going to get bored during that like and uh, like three yeah. hours the key is to throw an explosion every 30 seconds so yeah, you can't fall asleep yeah, wake up yeah yeah no I wouldn't I, geez, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have any interest in not that a superhero film fan not really, no. Jesus. None of the Batman movies, you know, Christopher no, Nolan, no, Batman. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have any interest in that now. For whatever reason, yeah, you know, different, different boats for different people, you know. So, who's your favorite superhero? Is it a redundant question? Uh, I used to love the old, um, the, the old Batman series with uh, Adam West. Remember, oh yeah, remember that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the big Kapow and that yeah, would come on that screen was good, as well. Good value. Yeah. Remember the one where he was? Um, remember the one where he was surfing? And you could just see like a mad sea background, and you can just see him kind Bat of trying to balance, yeah. to balance on Bat the Bat dancing yeah. as well. You yeah, know, you yeah. see he's a break a few moves as well. And just to break into that, then of course you have when 
Rodney and Delboy dressed up as Batman and Robin in Only Fools and Horses, one of the greatest TV moments of all time. And I, well, now I'll come on it. I've never seen Only Fools and Horses. You've never seen Only Fools and Horses. And just it's the visual medium, but Michael's wide-eyed look. You know, I, if I told him, I, I have a shocking all, I, thing. I have all of those on like old official VHS. Like VHS, yeah, okay. home. Yeah. Now I just need to buy a VHS player or find one. Somewhere. Uh, it's on. If you have gold, go on Laugh Daily Channel One Ten on the box. It's on repeat for twelve hours every Saturday. You oh my lord! You cannot go wrong. God. Is that why how you spend your Saturdays? Uh, it's, it's how we spend an hour or two on my Saturdays. Yeah. <laughs> Well, on that on note, that note I, I think we've covered all of April. What happened? This is what happens when the GA goes away. This is this is what we're what we're left with. Delighted to welcome with Colin Keys and Connor McKeown now. Michael, I guess I know this weekend it, it starts the football championship with games and maybe the most not the most glamorous uh, venues in, in Royce in New York. But maybe if we just look ahead to the championship as a whole, by the end of the league, it looked like we had a couple of teams emerging to, to give Dublin a proper test as they go for a five in a row. They, did, do you think that really is the case, or is it just an illusion of competitiveness because Dublin maybe didn't make a league final for the first time, or do we actually do have a, a really exciting championship ahead? No, to be fair, I think we do have an exciting championship ahead. Um, Mayo, after getting kind of the national title that they craved, and I'm sure they're going to be going gung ho for Connacht. They haven't won Connacht since 2015. Connacht's going to be a really interesting province actually this year. Hopefully, probably Mayo are going to end up playing Galway in a final, which is interesting. Leitrim are going well, obviously, which is unusual, I suppose, at this time of the year as well. That's interesting. Uh, Ulster is going to be very interesting as well with with Tyrone and Donegal and Patrick McBerty. Hopefully, coming back to fitness as well. Uh, Munster there's less not, so yeah, less definitely less so I, I, and, and Leinster in fairness as well but you know definitely between between Mayo Galway Donegal Monaghan Tyrone Kerry there's definitely a lot of pretenders there and maybe questions um, about Dublin maybe that we haven't seen before just because they weren't in league final preparation is different this year than any other year under Jim Gavin and talks of uh, high profile duo returning as well so there's lots of uh, yeah there's lots of interest uh, the championship kicking off and you were saying it, they're not the most glamorous places right up in New York it'd be glamorous well, maybe enough, if, if you were there yeah, perhaps enough. the cities I was underselling <laughs> them maybe as Gaelic football venues they're not quite quite as uh, as big time uh, Connor yeah so for Dublin some of the questions they were posing the league was that full back line long and behold, the returning uh, two-time All-Star, three-time Ireland champion Rory O'Carroll. Uh, you've probably seen him play a bit in the Dublin Championship. Like, is it a case that do you think he will be able to come back in it and play a meaningful part, or having been so you know away for so long, is he a bit rusty? Well, he, you know, it's funny. It's of all the positions and of all the players, I think Rory O'Carroll is probably the player in the position that would be less diminished as a footballer for having been away for so long because he's only. Like he's built for destruction, you know that that was always his game, and he was particularly good at it. And Rory always had a kind of very, a very independent-minded sort of a fella. Like when people forget in twenty ten, Pat Gilroy picked him for the first round of the Leinster Senior Football Championship, and then he went off to Southeast Asia with his friends for the summer, and um, like a lot of young people do, uh, but not very many of them who've already played senior intercounty Gaelic football. Then in 2011, he went off to France for five weeks, uh, missed the entire league campaign, and got back into the team. And then after winning three in a row and becoming probably the the best fullback of his era in the team that was about to oh no sorry in, winning his, his third All Ireland medal in 2015 and a team that was about to embark on an impressive period of dominance, he upsticks and went to New Zealand. So equally, 
while he wouldn't have balked in, at, at, at anything about departing that scene, I don't think he'll balk at anything about returning to that scene. And the evidence of the two performances that he played is that, yeah, he's not probably as physically imposing as he was before, but um, he hasn't lost anything by kind of intuition. Um, and, and, you know, he's he, he played all those games in the front foot. He tried to mark from in front. No, neither of the teams that the Ballymun played really tried to rain ball down on top of him, I suppose, which is which is uh, his particular uh, area of expertise. But um, like, there's no doubt about it last year, and we spoke about it last year, Dublin were caused sporadic problems in the championship by teams raining and high ball down on top of them. And they certainly were under pressure in the games they lost this year in the league. And uh, I think by the time Dublin play a meaningful game of football, um, it's not uh, asking too much that Rory O'Carroll will be in a position to kind of defend that square again. Yeah, Colin, for yourself, you know, looking ahead to the championship, what's jumping out to you as points of interest? Obviously, Dublin's five in a row bid will be the you know the most talked about. But is there anything else you're kind of interested to see as as it unfolds over the next few months? I'd be inter- interested to see how the Super Eights work out this year because I I have my doubts uh, about them. I think they're a layer of games that are probably too many and are could possibly be on the calendar more trouble than they're worth. That remains to be seen, and I'd be prepared to give them another chance this year. But on last year's evidence, they didn't really spark. Um, And I'm just not sure of their place. I'm just not sure of their place. And as I said, and and to reiterate, are they they worth the trouble? Because, you know, the inter-county game has grown, and it has grown with obviously extra. While the hurling worked out last year, uh, those round-robin games are at the start of the championship. When all round robin games should really be and after the cut and trust of some qualifier games and to a lesser degree the provincial championships you then meet this mass of games in the middle where the temperature just dropped a little bit last year with the exception obviously of of, of that second round game in 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 Clona. so i'd be interested to see how how does how does that work out this year and as i said i have my doubts other than that Dublin are out in front, justifiably so still. They've obviously won four in a row, possibly have either come back to the pack or I, I think a little bit, a little bit. But for me, enough for them to to stay out, out of reach. I don't think any of the chasing pack will be good enough to catch them this year. When it matters most, and it'll matter most in July and especially August, I think Dublin will have ironed out any of the, the creases that are there. And uh, I take what Connor is saying about Rory O'Carroll being able to adapt and has adapted before with delays, but I personally think it's a big risk for him coming back after a, a three-year absence. But I can recognise why Dublin would, would move for him and invite him back so quickly. He's only back in the country because there are obvious... obvious. It's the one area where they don't have very significant cover. I think if you go through any other line of the field, they can adapt, but... Here is different, and if you look at you know the the games that they have conceded goals in this year's league and last year's championship, there is a common thread there and a, and a recurring theme, and that is their their inability. Even the penalties they've conceded, you know, to Galway last year, obviously that was saved, but against Tyrone, there is a recurring theme there. So I'm not surprised that Rory Carroll will be back in. 
I think it's different than some other teams. Like he'll get loads of cover. Like he's not going to be, it's not going to be forty or fifty yards in front of him or anything like that. There's going to be Keno Sullivan's probably going to be standing twenty or thirty yards away from her or whatever free Dublin defender. So he, I don't think like the, what the, what most teams have tried to do is expose him under a high ball. I don't think he'll be exposed under a high ball because he's too strong under a high ball. So I I, I take what Colin is saying. It will it will be very interesting. But of all defenses and systems going out there. Dublin's is quite hard to break down and he won't be left in a position where he's going to be exposed so much. Yeah, and we'll elaborate on Dublin and the other teams in just a moment, but just another point to Colm raised that's interesting is the Super H because, you know, obviously it was its first year last year, it didn't deliver. The football championship in general, like the crowds were way down at the semi-final stage, Dublin cantered to the All-Ireland, whereas in previous years they had been tested. It is actually just a big year for football in general to have a, a competitive, maybe not even championship, but the Super H stage in particular needs to kind of shine or else people will be asking about the direction of, of, of the sport. Yeah, well, as Colm said, probably you're looking at Kerry and Monaghan uh, Dublin Tyrone maybe Dublin Tyrone was, yeah. was decent enough it was very competitive at least but outs- outside of that but for yeah. a long time was that a was a slow burn game too mm-hmm. I mean it really was and you know it was to use that word uh, it, it was interesting but does it really have people did it really have people on the edge of the seats no, no it didn't even, even Kildare and Galway which was another reason to be com- competitive game and there was plenty but did it have anyone on the edge of the seats it didn't really only Really, only Kerry on the edge of a cliff in Clonus. Really, I, I'd, I'd, I'd have high hopes for the Super Eights this that. year purely because I think that the chasing pack, like if you go through it last year, Mayo, who were the team who have habitually put it up to Dublin and made great games, made classics really of all Ireland finals against Dublin, they weren't good enough to get there. They had an off year, all the years of losing against Galway and having to traipse through the qualifiers caught up with them. Kerry were at the kind of last stages and they didn't get they failed to get out of the group. I don't think it was a good year in the landscape of Gaelic football to have the first of the Super Aids. Whereas I think this year it's slightly different. Kerry have made progress, I think. You can't be certain, but fellas like Sean O'Shea and David Clifford and a couple of defenders I think they're better placed to have a more monumental impact on the team. I think Mayo are absolutely firmly back. I think Tyrone have learned the lessons that they've absorbed very painfully from Dublin in the last last year's All-Ireland final, last year's All-Ireland semi-final. I think Galway will improve, even though they didn't show much in the league. And I think Donegal are really, really strong dark horses because watch them in the Division 2 final. They have an awful lot of the things that you need to be viable All-Ireland contenders. And if they're not contenders this year, I think they will be contenders over the next couple of years. Or McNeilis is the last there. Though, probably my point yeah. is that I think it's the wrong... Fo- it's, it, it may be, it's, it's a format that's a, being used at the wrong time of the year. That's, but, but that, would be, that would be my feeling on it, that after the, as I said, the cut and thrust of qualifiers and, you know, jostling for positions in provinces and counties will measure their, their, their progress by how far they go in a, in, in a provincial championship and a qualifier. But then you get that, like, the, the idea in theory is right, but I'm not sure it will work out in practice if Dublin go and win their two games and book their place there. Well, you know, just that sense of dead rubber at that time of the year, it just doesn't align with the championship that we, we knew. Now, maybe it's going to take a bit of adjustment, but I'm not sure it's the right formula at that stage of the well, season I think, I think for, bit, for the football I championship. I think a bit like the Hurland Championship. The Hurland Championship will work at the start of the year around Robin because you have two very symmetrical groups really with a lot of teams around the same like by, like conversely the, the, the point is true about the hurling championship that last year was the perfect year for the round robin to come in because we had this mad kind of commonality in the 
the levels that all the all Ireland competitors were at. But I think, f- like, if you have to have a round robin in football, and you know, we're con- we say this every year in the league. You need to see more games against the top teams playing each other on the biggest stages. The only time to do that is after all the teams that aren't good enough to play at that stage are whittled down. So it's kind of it's it's there or it's or it's bust really for a Super Eight. But I just think my point is I think the Chase and Pack have all for various different reasons taken a step closer to Dublin. Now it's not beyond Dublin to take a step beyond them, but even if you take Dublin out of it, I still think you'll have five or six teams that will make that. Uh, round robin group of matches in the Super 8 very very interesting I don't see as many dead rubbers or poor matches as we had last year So which one of the chasing pack where, where should we start Mike which one of the teams do you think is best placed to to upset Dublin this season Mayo is probably as good a starting point as any after the after winning the league final on earth and new players probably James Horn coming back and probably with a, a bit of a clean slate he made everyone come in for trials on the, the Monday bank holiday in October seems like a long time ago now and everyone kind of had to prove themselves he's after on earth and an awful lot of players to like to match Ruan. Well, not on earth and they were always there and there's none of them particularly young most of them are 22 or 23 James Carr, Fergal Boland, who's been knocking around for a while as well. He still has all the experience as well, but all those experienced players, they're still all jumping out of their skins, which is, which is amazing. I think like Keith Higgins is, I think he's 34 now, and he's running around like a 24, 24-year-old still. It'll be interesting to see what, what if winning a title like that gives them a bit of a release, if they can win Connacht as well, which I'm sure they'll be absolutely gunning for this year. How important is that, do you think, on their journey this year? Do they, do they need to win Connacht to win the All-Ireland? You know, last year they said it was kind of like they had to beat Galway last year to go on if they won, they lost. And then they yeah, a different scenario because they were playing, they were playing Galway at an earlier stage if they get to a Connacht final is when they'll be playing Galway so if they were beaten in that they'd have to win one qualifier to get into the Super 8 so like, it's, that's still not a bad place to be um, they definitely want to go to the director but if they were beaten at any stage before the, the Connacht final it'd be a disaster but there's, there's not a snowball's chance mm. of that happening they'll, the direct route is the obvious route and it's be unthinkable to see them go on any other route this year to be honest and psychologically Colin I remember you said you know they won the league with the two games they would have wanted to win most they didn't win so is it important psychologically even to finally get over the line against Galway who won their horn the first time they had a stranglehold over I think so and I think it's to break that that ceiling of that score line where they're they're caught in the Galway web as I said before and you know the scores in all these games have been very similar yeah, around 112 to 12 it's always around that so the games have been very very similar and it really is up to Mayo to come come with something different they really have to come with something different uh if and when they're playing Galway in a Connacht final, and we have to assume that Mayo will play their way through New York and Roscommon, and likewise Galway will come through London and Sligo. But that prospect is very high based on, on all known form and results, and that they will be the Connacht final pairing in the middle of June. And it really is time for, for Mayo to address this record because, you know, between all the games, FBD Connacht League and the, and the league, it's seven games, and that's far too much in, in any... It almost doesn't become a rivalry at that stage, even though it is one of the, the, the more pronounced rivalries. But the games have not been good, and that is because largely they've been played on Galway's terms. So Mayo have to break free from that cycle if and, if and when they do meet, before they even consider taking on Dublin. But yes, it was a very progressive league for them, setting, out, setting aside those two... Like, you'd wonder, well, would they have taken wins over Dublin and Galway ahead of a league title? I probably think not. I probably think not. They only have to beat Dublin uh, once, although it could be twice this year, depending on how the the Super 8's uh, 
formation worked out. But they really only have to beat this Dublin team once and if it's in a knockout game. And they'll, they'll still feel deep down they will believe that, that they can do it. I just have my doubts about it. I just thought they'd be more competitive against them in Croke Park this year. Uh, I definitely think they are building a team that takes them back from the cliff edge. This idea that, you know, it's now or never from Mayo, I think that's been removed with the players that have been brought through. And Michael mentioned Ruan and James Carr, who look to be two players that could take their games anywhere, really. Uh, Fionn McDonough was another that really caught the eye in the early stage of the league, especially against their own. He's a type of a player that Mayo haven't really have have had in recent years, is that he's a line breaker with a bit of pace in the in the half forward line as opposed to coming from a deeper position like Keegan and Boyle and Higgins and Vaughan have been able to do so well over over the years. But yes, I think they've put together uh, a very decent squad. You know, whether it's good enough to go this year, I just think this year may be a stretch too far for them, notwithstanding that they have made progress. Again, and I probably said it in 2017 and even last year, I think Tyrone have put themselves in a good position. Their personnel won't change a whole lot. And I think I saw where Derek Canavan, Peter Canavan's son, is a very talented player, uh, will commit to the under-20s and that could take him right up to August because Tyrone would have a decent under-20 team. Um, that could take him right up to August if he completely commits to them. Uh, so the personnel won't change a whole lot, but uh, their approach looked to have changed in the league, especially in the latter end when they moved Cahill McShane and Matty Donnelly up and provided the right type of ball into them and really threatened to take teams on direct and aerially. So it's another. Str- it's not saying they're going to play that way through the championship. They're probably not. And in Ulster, I think they probably will revert to type uh, in some ways because they'll have to. They'll have to play a different game uh, in their own province. But after that, they've added another string to their bow. And, uh, you know, they've beaten Dublin in the league. They've beaten them in Croke Park. Uh, They've been able to compete with them reasonably well in the two games last year. We spoke about Oma. Okay, it didn't have anyone at the edge of the seats. But they were competitive and they were there. And if there is any fallback from Dublin, I think Tyrone will be well placed to, to exploit that. And I also think Galway will be. Yeah, Connor. Like on Tyrone, it's interesting how, like, obviously in the All Ireland final, it was probably Dublin's easiest final victory under Jim Gavin. You've passed forward, you know, a year or you know less than a year, and they do look like they've changed their approach slightly. As Colin said, they mightn't play like that way all the time, but they definitely troubled Dublin in that game in Croke Park. And when you contrast that with how Mayo were swatted aside so easily in Croke Park, Tyrone do seem to be maybe more equipped to take them on. Yeah, I thought they were um, they were a massive letdown last year in the All Ireland final, simply because they showed up and did the exact same thing they tried to do in the semi-final the previous year uh, and in it, in it failed again and there was no the problem wasn't necessarily that Tyrone were overly defensive or not it wasn't necessarily that they tried to run the ball endlessly out of their defence it was that they were completely one-dimensional like they lacked any tactical versatility whatsoever and you know it was like in this in, like when Conor Callaghan scored his goal two years ago Tyrone were gone, like, you know, and Mickey Hart said as much afterwards, you know, we were chasing the game, but like conceding the goal early in the game is one of the things that can happen. Um, and Tyrone's entire game plan seemed to be about containment. 
and they were trying to run the ball out of the fence and Dublin know how to stop that like they, they get their matchups very well they can stop Tyrone's very very strong runners um, but that night in Crow Park when they kicked early direct ball and isolated those two inside albeit probably not on the two Dublin defenders who will play there during the summer if the two teams have played again Dublin didn't really know what to do and the other thing was they physically bullied that Dublin that night um, there were a number of different incidents where they probably crossed the line from physicality into transgression but you know, previous to that when they played against Dublin, there was very little physical contact in those games because Tyrone were so hell-bent on just holding their position in a zonal sense that Dublin didn't take the ball into contact until they absolutely had to, until they'd everybody set up and they had their strike runners coming in a, in a perfect line. That's a good line. point because you associate Tyrone with that physicality they never with, you know, the semi-final and the final. I actually struggle to think of it as like a flashpoint. No, there's or no hits. The only one was Colm Kavanagh, if you remember, and Brian Fenton. That was the only one in those two games. But that's because of the way that they played. Uh, and <laughs> Dublin just did didn't take the ball into contact at all against them because Tyrone have a lot, of, a lot of very, very good tacklers and they're set up in such a structured way that if you sort of amble down the wrong avenue, they'll close the net on you and strip the ball off you. But um, the fact that they have the threat now of a more... It doesn't necessarily have to be direct. It just has to be more versatile. You know, if you, like, if you go into a game and Jim Gavin knows exactly what you're going to do, the chances are they've rehearsed the game plan to beat you and they'll do it because they're so good but I think the fact that Tyrone can maybe throw that curveball in or mix the, the, the various different game plans up make them really really dangerous opponents this year I think it's an interesting point Colin was saying there about how Mayo need to you know break free from Galway Galway would probably play a style probably Tyrone will do the same in Ulster that will maybe win them a provincial title or give them a shout to win a provincial title but to beat Dublin they're probably going to have to play a, Dublin, uh, a different style. Colm, do you think with Galway uh, in particular, you know, a, a lot of people are kind of ragging on them that they're too defensive or whatever. They have a lot of very, very good attackers. Do you see them changing well, their style at all, particularly later I in do. the year? I or, do yeah. definitely see, a, I, I, I do envisage a shift of emphasis in Galway this year. And as you said, they may play a game of containment with Mayo because it's on their terms and it's worked well for them. And why would they change to suit terms that are or to terms that would suit Mayo in, in, in that respect if and if and when they meet? But I think beyond that they have they have four forwards, top class forwards, and Damien Comer will be back by by the middle of June, albeit he has missed a lot of football, mm. so that's a huge concern given his wrecking ball uh, uh, instincts last year in the championship and how well he played against Dublin, especially in the league in the league final and even in the first half of the uh, the semi-final. Uh, if they can commit Comer, Walsh, Ian Burke and Michael Daly to stay up front and build a team around that, work back back from there, but commit four players yeah. to, to uh, up front with possibly Daly and Walsh dropping back a little bit deep because they're good ball carriers, especially Walsh. Uh, I'd just be interested to see how Liam Silk fits into the team. I think he's another good ball-carrying defender that gets forward, goes forward, and Killian McDade, who came back from Australia last year, was showing signs of recovery and then suffered a recurrence of a foot injury that had hindered him out there. But he'll be back by the end of the month too. So A few more Corrafin lads on board in the last couple yeah, of weeks Yeah, but too, I don't know yeah. how many Corrafin. Interesting to know how many Corrafin mm. players will, will actually make the team. It's a different team. style I, completely, isn't it? I like think, I think Liam Silk and uh, Ian Burke will make the team. Hmm. After that, maybe Kieran Malloy, but I'm not. I'm maybe not either. Maybe yeah. not. So the idea that uh, the Galway team is going to be suddenly peppered with Cara Finn players, I don't think that's going to happen. 
Uh, I just don't envisage it. But I do see a, a change in style uh, from Galway because they can't go into a Super 8 series, not so much Super 8s, but beyond that, uh, hoping to do the same thing. I still think they'll be very disciplined and structured, but within that structure, they'll be a good bit more expressive. So I do think they recognise that they have to change their approach in some way. And it's not just that the, the supporters will demand it. I think they'll demand it of themselves that it's the next it's the next uh, part of the cycle for them is that it they is really kind of have a trend though as well, isn't it? Like like you look like you're having the same conversation with Galway as you could be having about Tyrone as you could be having about Donegal. There seems to be a realisation amongst the managers of the elite counties that you know, these are the counties that are making the Super 8s, but if you actually want to kick on to the next level, you're going to have to be, you're going to have to take a risk. It's interesting, though, because Kevin Walsh, uh, maybe just in his media pronouncements, that maybe he's thinking a different team behind closed doors, gets very defensive when he's questioned about it. Like, like he doesn't sound like a man who's gonna, thinking about changing, but you obviously think he will. But when I, I, do, I hear yeah. him, when I hear him talk, but why, what makes you so confident that he will, or why do you think that he will, he will change? Other than the obvious reason, I guess, but... Well, it is the obvious yeah. reason. I mean, it's, it's nothing else, only the obvious yeah. reason is that, that they simply must change. And I, I thought I saw uh, in the league that they were more expressive, committing more more bodies up front. I, I just thought I saw a lot more of that, especially like they played against Tyrone and, the, and then it was, it was almost, for, for, for Galway, it was almost a free-for-all. And they probably paid the price for it at the other end in the second half in that last league game. And it could have qualified them for a league, league final. But they let the reins go a little bit more, and it, it probably it probably cost them. But they've they have uh, there's some very good fringe forwards too. Anton O'Lee uh, was another guy that made his mark in the league, and Danny Cummins showed another bit of form too. So uh, Johnny Heaney, who plays that up and down role, he got some vital scores, very very good scores. They have a lot of good footballers. A uh, couple of injuries in the early part of the season with Peter Cook and, and Kieran Duggan, but They've they've a lot going for them, maybe more than the perception out there. Tis when you put all those names together, it's for them. And <laughs> yeah, you know, it was a fair a fair squad there. You, you look at their consistency over the league over the last two seasons. No team has won more games than Galway. Not even Dublin over the two campaigns over the last two seasons. Now, what's that worth in in championship terms? Well, I don't know, but it shows a measure of consistency. The, against Tyrone in the second half, they conceded three goals. They hadn't conceded that many goals in their 14 and a half league games before that going back. They hadn't, I think it was three goals was as much as they conceded and they matched that in 135 minutes in the second half in Oma uh, when they probably let things go too, too easily, made mistakes. You had a keeper coming out and uh, he, uh, a pass that was overcooked or undercooked to him and they were caught and uh, taken for a couple of high balls. That was a little bit... Un, uh, uncharacteristic for this Galway team, so I do feel they will change. Uh, that's I, I, because I think they have to. It's imperative. I'm just looking at some of the other teams. Sort of Kerry Connor, you mentioned it earlier. We don't know how good they are going to be because maybe going into the league final, they were expected to be Dublin's prime challengers, but they were bullied by Mayo that day. Some of the young guys looked maybe a year or two away in their development, but I guess they have they've had a good they have a good time to train now between that final and their first game, I think is on June first. So a good more block of training for young players like that is no harm, obviously. But where do you think they are overall? Well, like at the start of the league it looked as though Peter Kane was doing the kind of slow and weekly r- reveal of the next great Kerry team. Like every week there was a new guy 
you know, uh, shown form and looked like he'd do something. Uh, Dermot O'Connor and Dara Mine and, and Gavin O'Brien all started the league in really, really good form. But I think as the league went on, particularly in that league final, um, some of them found out they're in a bit of trouble in midfield. Uh, it's hard to know where they're going to kind of nail that area down on the pitch because they were destroyed there in the league final. Um, and their backs, like other than Paul Murphy and Tyg Morley, could just, uh, maybe uh, Peter Crowley, like could you say that they're all, like in the full back line, they're in a bit of bother there too. Um, like there would be a perception there and it's probably not too far wrong that they are top heavy with half backs as yeah. opposed to inside backs. Uh, There's some difference between a half back and lockdown player, yeah. disciplined man markers yeah. and it was Aidan O'Rourke actually asked that question early in the season and it was a legitimate one in one respect even though collectively Kerry have been better defensively than they had been in, in this league than there had been in previous leagues and the st- statistics will show that but who marks Conor McManus who marks Conor Callaghan uh, who, you know all these th- the top forwards who takes them on uh, from who takes them on one to one because they're going to be one to one at some stage and th- that is a concern for Kerry is that they have a lot of very good football playing uh, defenders but they're more instinctive in, in an attacking sense than they are as absolute uh, nailed on uh, card carrying well, defenders. If you talk about the two month period they've had now, another two months with Donny Buckley, who I think only came in, you know, he came in late into the league mm-hmm. campaign, Michael, so we wouldn't have had that much time to maybe work on the finer point to defending, which I think is one of the reasons they wanted him in so badly because he's he, he coached that Mayo team up really well in the tackling in areas like that. Yeah, we were chatting to Aidan O'Mahony there, a gig there this morning, and he was just kind of saying he worked, I think he worked with Donny for a year and a half, and he just said it kind of takes a while maybe to, to see the fruits of his labour, but he said he, he played a game against Cork one year and Donny had literally told him everything he needed to know about Mark and Aidan Walsh and he said he got in two blocks on Aidan Walsh in the first 10 minutes or something like that he said he's just his level of detail for defenders and what players are going to be marking and what their tendencies are and things like that probably takes a bit of time for, for that to actually kind of see realisation but they're going to have plenty of time with him now by the time but they get the championship I think so. a lot of Donny Buckley's stuff like he'll improve the tackling time. Of, of the mm. half forwards and the midfielders but I still don't think he can turn the kind of defenders that Kerry have into man-marking cornerbacks. I think it's going to take uh, a championship campaign and maybe another league campaign for Peter Keane and his management team to find their best team because they they have so many options. They have so many options and right across the spread of all those winning minor teams uh, and then the players that have been there, it's going to take a long time to, to sort it out. They're not just going to arrive at a team it's going to take another 12 months that's not to say that they could progress still progress very far but to actually know their best team I think Kerry are probably furthest away of all the top teams from knowing their best team but that's not to say that they can still make a lot of progress this year it's an interesting notion because I, I know Kerry fans in particular want to stop a five in a row from happening it's never been done they would absolutely hate if Dublin were the first team to do it on their watch yeah well they'd have to be like no. yeah, historically it's Kerry that have twice uh, in football terms and uh, have twice got to four in a row and it would be a bitter pill to swallow for uh, for, for for Kerry supporters and uh, the history and the fabric of Kerry football. It's a very unfortunate thing though for Peter Keane and an awful lot of the younger players who are in their, a lot of whom are in their first year or their second year, they inherit this responsibility now. You know, it's not their problem. A lot of them weren't around in the 2015 final. A lot of them weren't around in the 2016 semi when they played Dublin. But this is now their problem. But I think they have to accept what an exceptional 
Dublin team this is. This is a Dublin team that went on a 36-match unbeaten run uh, that lasted almost two years. I mean, that in itself is a remarkable achievement to go and win five out of six leagues before this year and only lose the sixth one by uh, the width of a post as it was. Another fantastic achievement. If they win, a s I think already, if you take it as a decade, no, I don't think any team, and I stand to be corrected, any county has won six in the one decade, which Dublin have already, have already done. Um, so that takes this Dublin team already to nearly to a different level, uh, one way or the other. I don't even think they have to go and win a fifth All-Ireland title. So they won't bother. They won't bother trying. But in terms of uh, their place in history, yeah. I mean, they're right up there with that uh, great Kerry team, some would say even better. Because of their because, the of that, thing, because of that unbeaten run that they went on, I think that has to be factored in. But the only thing about it is like nobody remembers, nobody talks about 1981 has been the year that Kerry won four in a row. Like to talk about 82 has been the year, and because same thing, of Dublin, course, D Dublin have now inherited this thing that if they don't do it this year, if they don't do something that nobody else has ever done, they will be in some ways remembered as the team that didn't. And do nobody it. will say that they won 36. <laughs> but if if you're forensically Maybe looking you at it, you, you, well, I will. I'll keep repeating. I will keep repeating that because I think it's a great yeah, achievement to go for that level of consistency. For, we, we, we'll see what happens in the next 10 years and we'll be able to measure it to see, well, are Dublin going to continue on producing these teams? And I think we'll be better informed in the middle of the next decade to say, well, the game is up here. Uh, they're going to consistently keep bringing these teams. But yeah. I don't know. I think after this year, the landscape in football will, will, will change. Yeah, I think it will too. And just even talking about Kerry, like, I think very soon we're going to get into a situation just knowing the underage scene in Dublin and the teams that are coming through and the players that are coming through and it's not like the glut of players that came through from that team and I think soon enough you'll be in a situation where it won't be the case that Dublin will have the most talented squad of players in the country and it's been a long time since that was the case. That's interesting but we're kind of almost previewing the 2020 championship as well <laughs> looking ahead to that but uh, just on Dublin Michael but before we move into maybe some of the, the other dark horses who could emerge you know even to make the Super 8s but are there any other areas of concern I know the full back line is kind of the chief one the people or maybe even the only one in, for, for some people like is there anything else you look at with the Dublin team and say this could be an area where they're vulnerable or, or, or anything like that No it was just a bit unusual throughout the league like guys that would usually be you know delivering really consistent performances the whole way throughout leagues and championships would say the likes of the likes of Dean Rock maybe in attack weren't maybe on point like they usually would be. Um, the the for the the attacking uh, the attacking uh, division wasn't exactly on form now you'd have to say throughout the league probably their some of their lowest scores I'd say they've put up over the last God knows how long since Gavin took over were, were during this this year's league but like. <sighs> I just think it, everything has been tailored. Everything has been tailored towards somewhere like. Is anyone going to remember whether Dublin won? I don't know what it would have been kind of their fifth league under Gavin if they'd won it this fifth or sixth. Six. Like, would any? Would does anyone like? And no one's going to remember that. They were probably doing heavy training. They've pro they've all gone back to the clubs. They come back in now, uh, and with Leinster Championship as well, they can tailor their training to be you know to be getting ready to peak after the provincial championships, which maybe other teams can't do as well. They've, they're playing the long game 
and I think they'll probably reap the rewards of that. I, there's not there's a few areas that they'll be brushing up on, maybe taking goal chances as well. But that's always that's been an issue a good bit as well. Um, as I said before, I'd love to see the um, I'd love to see that kind of palmed goal outlawed. I'd love to see how many goals Dublin have got outside of that in the last five years. But um, no, lo- loads to work on. But no, the full back then is probably that still kind of chief. Hmm. They don't have huge that. options in midfield either. If Fenton, to Brian Fenton, uh, I think ideally like James McCarthy is 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 number five or number six for Jim Gavin. Um, what about Darren Gavin? You're not you're not. No, like Darren Gavin has a big future, but yeah. he's, he's still very young. He's still very raw. He moves very quickly, but he's not uh, the most physically. Um, like he's not he's not well built just yet. The know? big question is where where will Cormac? Costello fit into the team if they have every one of their forwards. Will available. he fit in? Yeah, I think. Yeah, well, I think he has to. Like, so who loses out? Well, it could be one of Scully or Howard. That's the other thing. Like, you're talking about players who are there. Scully and Howard and Conal Callan. They've only been there for two years. Like, there's no guarantee that just because they're exceptional years in seventeen or eighteen that they have a great year. But the, that team. option is there, maybe. Too, and I think uh, Jim Gavin has always been inclined in a situation where it's an established player and a player who is coming through either from the bench or from the underage system. He has always gone with the younger player. Just for almost the sake of mixing mixing up um, uh, the team selection, so I, I I think it would be a strange it could, development. It could it, yeah, Brian Howard, you know, he he was left half forward. Uh, could end up in midfield. Yeah. but he, he played a lot of his yeah. football through the middle. Uh, it could be that he's just he starts at midfield and continues on to play his role. And McCarthy, James mm-hmm. McCarthy, drops back. Uh, to centre back or right half back, it, that could be the case. But it, it'd be interesting to see if Costello does make the breakthrough because is it only two games he started? Yeah, two games in the championship since twenty thirteen. Donegal fourteen and was coming last year, so <laughs> it's incredible to think yeah. that the player that can yeah. make that impact in the league as he made this year has has only played. Uh, started two championship games in seven seasons albeit he's been injured quite a bit yeah the thing about it you're not a, that it's an area of worry for Dublin but if you remember it was a 2016 final against Mayo when Dublin's bench was loaded with Bernard Brogan for the replay Bernard Brogan Michael Kevin McManaman Michael Darmacolli Ono Gara all those fellas are still there but like they can't be relied on to contribute as much as they used to from the bench so I don't know whether Dublin's kind of options in reserve are quite as strong as they were before because very few of those players played very much football during the league and, and very few of them played very much football towards the back end of last year's championship so I don't think Dublin would be quite as ferocious a team of finishers as they were in the past the forward line has been freshened up in the last few years like it, it's very young forward line but in defence like, like I don't know whether you're going to have where Jim Gavin would be comfortable with a defence that has Mick Fitzsimons and Philly McMahon and Keno Sullivan, fellas who are all over 30 in that defence. And they haven't been as quick to produce uh, defenders in the last five or six years as they have been up front. We've covered pretty much all the contenders, Michael. Is there anyone kind of, you know, lower down the pack that you could see emerging and having a good summer? Like, not challenging for an All-Ireland, but, you know, making a Super 8. Like, if you look at even a Leinster, the other side of the draw, there's a good opportunity for someone to get to a Leinster final and then you're one game away. Like, Mead or even Leash and Westmead who ended up making a league final. Like, all, like who, who, who from your opinion, could make that jump? Yeah, they're not necessarily outside the, the top few, but we haven't really talked about Donegal, mm. who I think... Who I think have endless potential, particularly in attack. If if Patrick McBrady is is back to himself this summer after after his crucial injury, uh, we just mentioned briefly there about Oren McNeilis is is a big is a big loss, but they have a serious uh, squad as well, and they kind of they play a nice kind of free flowing brand of football. In fairness, too, they're very easy on the eye as well. Um, kind of last year when they when they played Dublin in the Super Eights, it was kind of. 
they just needed, I suppose they needed someone maybe, uh, apart from Michael Murphy, they needed a McBearty or someone like that. The likes of Owen Bon Gallagher and a few other lads there, they've a, I think they have a serious squad. I, do, I, don't, I think they'll be, they're, they're the sort of team that could definitely take out another big team at in the latter stages. I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if they got to a semi-final now this year, to be honest. Not a, not a bit surprised. Uh, yeah, it's, I suppose no more than where will Cormac Costello play. And it seems strange that he delivered one of his best ever displays in the Division Two League final against Meath. But where will Donegal uh, play Michael Murphy? It seems logical that they'll play to their strengths and put Murphy in at full forward and build the team around him. But they have Jamie Brennan and they have Patrick McBrady back. Mm. And Ushin Gallen, who has come strong tr- during the league and is really talented. Darrell Boyle as well. Uh, they have a lot of players, a lot of candidates for forward positions, but they don't have a huge amount of candidates for, for midfield, where I thought Murphy was very, very good last year uh, and he fulfills a role there. Now, look, I think they'll probably play to their absolute strength and that is Murphy uh, Murphy at full forward. But coming out when he when he has to... The concern for Donegal would be twofold. Why did Noran McNeilis go back in? Why has fringe players like Martin O'Reilly and Martin McElhenney... OK, they're not getting game time, but... Jim Gavin doesn't have that problem so much, or Kerry. They don't drift away from from Kerry. So, but they seem to have there seems to has have been a bit of an exodus in 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 Donegal for some reason. Uh, and you look at Mayo. Nobody, nobody leaves the Mayo squad unless they are actually retiring for good. Yeah. Barry Moran and Allendon, but very few unless they're they're left off. But you don't you just don't see it. So. That's a cause for concern that everybody is not on board and have not made themselves completely available. And I just wonder about Donegal's defensive capabilities for locking down a team as well uh, in some respects. But they were very good Ulster champions last year. They won the Ulster title, probably winning it uh, by scoring more than any previous Ulster. That's kind Ulster of rather what you're saying about the defence. They and, do that. You know, their average was 219 scores, yeah. in yeah. four Ulster, Ulster championship games which is huge for that championship and just underscores their their attacking ability. And I think they will. I agree. Despite mm. saying all that, I do think they're a Super 8 team. Whether they go beyond that or not, I'm not so sure. Might get your predictions in just a minute, but Michael, first we're going to go around the table and we're going to pick a board, gosh, rising star ahead of the championship. Is there any young player in particular you're looking forward to seeing or you can think of a breakthrough summer? Yeah, it's, a, it's an obvious enough one to be honest with you. He was the uh, under-21 or under-20 footballer of the year last year, Jimmy Hyland from Kildare. I've only seen him a handful of times. Uh, brilliant off left and right. He's actually brilliant at using the mark throughout the league because he was always out in front and was always he was never taking a ball in the hop he was always taking it straight into his chest and was putting over putting over kind of freeze that way but he's a very exciting attacker yeah um Kildare are going to need him as well he's first year on the squad but they're going to need him with Daniel Flynn not playing and a few other bits and pieces of knocks as well so they're going to probably need him to produce maybe a bit earlier than they expected but he's a seriously talented forward yeah Jimmy Highland would be probably one to watch for me yeah Connor any young players yeah Ocean Gallon is mine I thought he was magnificent in the Division 2 final he's eligible for the Donegal under 20s this year but uh, it looks like he's just going to play with the seniors you know, you're talking about Patrick McBrearty uh, coming back into the team, but like if you have Jamie Brennan and you've got Ocean Gallon in the corners, you know, I think you probably end up end up playing McBrearty maybe at 14 and moving Murphy at the pitch because like Ocean Gallon is so good at this stage, uh, you know, and he plays with that kind of, you know, the brash rawness of a player who's never been on a team that's suffered any big defeats, who hasn't been injured. And I think if Donegal can 
can kind of harness that and get him on the ball. And look, I think when Murphy goes in at 14, you saw how well those three played, Brennan, Murphy and Gallen in the League Division 2 final. You know, Murphy's a great provider. He understands space and he understands how the players around him move. And this guy is a poacher, like, you know, and I, and I think he's he, he could be the fella to, to take Donegal on to another level this year. What's best about him is he was actually, he actually started the league game before that, I think was taken off either the, maybe the, the one before that again was taken off very early and gave him another chance he kicked four points in the last game I think he kicked four in the league final yeah, he kicked well. four in the league final yeah. and he kicked four the, the, the previous week against uh, Kildare actually it's in, that in, kind in, of youthful yeah. abandon that you know he just he yeah. just doesn't care and yeah. just but, but, but key to all of it is the fact that I think Declan Bonner is one of the managers that has had the same Realization that to to properly harness his team's talents and to and to take Donegal to the next level and to probably challenge Dublin, you have to play in such a way that you get people like Jamie Brennan and Ushin Gallon on the ball a lot more. Yeah, Colin, who's your rising star potentially for the summer? Uh, well, they've both been taken. taken <laughs> uh, I I go two counties and split. I, I mentioned James Carr earlier, and he only made his debut uh, after a lot of injury. Um, he only made his debut towards the latter end of the league and I think he has a lot of raw potential looking at his movement. But I think Dermot O'Connor from Kerry is a player that the Kerry under-20s are probably going to lose. They lost Clifford and O'Shea last year and Dermot O'Connor could be uh, could be in the frame for uh, graduation this year. Um, I think he will play a role for Kerry. There could, there could be a lot of younger players in, the likes of Graham O'Sullivan, uh, a defender could also feature, but I think Dermot O'Connor is one that will uh, make his mark for Kerry in this championship. Lots of exciting young talent, Michael. Might get predictions for the summer now. Who are your provincial champions, your Ireland finalists, and your Ireland champions? Oh, I only have the provincial ones right now here at the moment. Kerry, Cakewalk, Munster. I think Tyrone win Ulster. Dublin uh, will walk through Leinster, and I think Mayo will win Connacht but knock it to an All-Ireland final if you know I think that that'll be their ceiling this year I think Galway could actually get through the back door I fancy Galway to be semi-finalist uh, along with Donegal and Dublin and uh, come back to me on the other semi-finalist I want to make sure I don't cross over Super 8 groups and put in a team that's not possible maybe to be in well, I think it's Ulster and Munster champions in one group Leinster and Connacht champions oh Kerry will be there as well yeah. sorry yeah Kerry so, will be semi-finalist so Kerry, Donegal, Galway and Dublin. Uh, Dublin to make history. Connor. Uh, at the risk of being unoriginal, um, Dublin, Kerry. I have a feeling that Galway are going to be Mayo again. I know we're all expecting Mayo to be Galway just because it's their time. They've won a league. You know, there's only so many times a team can beat you before you learn your lesson. But it, like Kevin Walsh is a, is a bright enough manager himself. And there's something... There's something very flinty and kind of gleeful about Galway and how they beat Mayo. They love doing it, like, you know, because that they didn't do it. Those games have been spiky in contrast ah, to those Dublin Tyrone games. Proper we were saying, spiky. Those yeah, games have been very spiky, physical. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to stick with Donegal. Uh, like, I think Tyrone have a better chance of winning the All Ireland this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if Donegal won Ulster. So, uh, yeah, I think Donegal, Galway, Dublin, and Kerry. And what's your finals or your, your winners, even? Uh, I've, look, I think Dublin win the All Ireland. I think you could make a, a, a sturdy argument for four or five teams getting to the final, um, and I do believe that the teams beneath Dublin have made ground on them. And I think possibly Dublin will have to be better this year than they were last year to win the All Ireland. But I think um, 
you know, this could be Jim Gavin's kind of masterwork. You know, it's all been kind of le- leading towards this. And I think, you know, at the end of the year, a lot, of, not an awful lot of the stuff that we saw from Dublin early in the year would make sense. So I'd say Dublin to beat Tron in the All Ireland final. Come. I can't add anything <laughs> original to that. Well, I, I think Kerry and Dublin, obviously, uh, in their two provinces, that's a, that's a given. Uh, I think Mayo will finally work out a way to beat Galway, but that doesn't put Galway out for the count by any stretch in, in the longer term. I think Tyrone will recapture uh, the Ulster title. I think Dublin will win the All-Ireland, um, and I have Tyrone as their strongest challengers again. Hmm. Well, an exciting summer in store for us. Michael, Connor, Colin, thanks so much for joining me. Cheers, Will. Cheers, Will. That's all we have time from the throwing this week in association with Board Gosh Energy. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back next week with our hurling championship preview. And in the meantime, you could subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thank you for listening, and goodbye. Board Gosh Energy. Putting customers at the core of under-20 and senior hurling championship action. Hashtag hurling to the core.